Less than a week from now, when Kyle Bradish comes off the injured list, the Orioles are going to have to make a decision of which starting pitcher to leave out of the rotation. And it seems like, at least for the younger guys, every start right now is a little bit of an audition. And Dean Kramer so far is not getting the part. Today, we try to answer the question, could Dean Kramer potentially be the guy who loses his rotation spot next week? That and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, April 13th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap a tough Orioles loss as they fell 8-4 to to the Oakland Athletics on Thursday. I'll get to the five things you need to know from that one, what went wrong specifically on the pitching and defense side. Then I'll dive a little further into Dean Kramer, who had a third consecutive bad start to begin the season and why maybe his rotation spot is in danger. We'll also look at why he's been struggling so far this year. Then at the end of the pod, we'll chat a bit about the Orioles bullpen because it's in danger right now. This is not the group that the Orioles had in 2022. We'll talk about who's been good, who's been bad, and really more so what the O's need to do over the next couple of weeks to get the bullpen back on track. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And thank you so much if you have liked and subscribed to the pod wherever you listen. If you have liked, comment, and subscribed to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel as well, getting close to two and a half thousand subscribers there. And thank you for tuning into the content. Again, it's going to be a fun Orioles season and you'll get daily content. The only place you're going to get daily podcast episodes about the major league team, it's right here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. And we thank you again for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. For your first listen today, we start with an Orioles loss. Athletics 8, Orioles 4, the final score Wednesday night at Oriole Park at Camden Yards as the A's take a game in the series for the first time as the finale will be here on Thursday. O's going 4-3 out of 4. The A's will go for the series split as the O's fall to 6-6 six and six on the season with the loss. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from this one. The first thing you need to know is that, quite frankly, Dean Kramer was bad again on the mound for the Orioles in this game. And we'll break down his start a little further coming up later in the episode. But on the surface, not good. Four and a third innings, four runs on five hits, one strikeout, two walks, two home runs allowed, 90 pitches to get just 13 outs for Dean Kramer, eight hard hit balls against him. His ERA is now 949 through three starts this year. Got off to a really bad start. Allowed a three-run homer to Brett Rooker in the first inning that immediately put the A's up 3-0. Also allowed a solo homer to minor league catcher signing Carlos Perez, the nine batter in the fifth inning. He did put together three scoreless innings consecutively in the second, third, and fourth and looked good in those frames, but otherwise, just another bad day from Kramer. And we'll break it down further and talk about the fallout coming up a little later. Second thing you need to know from this one is that the Orioles' defense just made some more bad plays in this game. And 
you know, there was a time when the defense was caught napping. There was a double steal, a couple of not amazing plays on defense. But the big one came in the eighth inning. And I get that when this play happened, it was already bases loaded, nobody out for the A's in a 4-4 game in the top of the eighth. It's really hard to get out of that situation where you're not losing at the end of the inning. But they get a fly ball to left. You're thinking, all right, this is going to be a sack fly. It's going to make it 5-4. But you keep the runners at first and second. And maybe you have a chance to just keep it at 5-4. That's limiting the damage and you keep yourself in the game. Well, Austin Hayes makes the catch in left field. And for some reason, I still can't understand why, he throws the ball into second. Which allows easily the runner to tag up and go from second to third. And instead of first and second one out, it's first and third one out. That allows the very next hitter in the game, in Kevin Smith, to lay down a suicide squeeze. Luckily, the Orioles tagged him out, but another run scores, makes it 6-4. to four. You're not bunting there if it's first and second, but you can to get the run if it's first and third. And then you get an RBI single behind it to make it 7-4, to four, and the game just gets away from you with a three-run eighth for the Athletics. And I get, even if Hayes throws to third, still at the very least the A's get one run and take the lead. And they could have still put up a three-run inning. You only had one out. But it's much less likely if that guy doesn't get to third. And it was just a boneheaded mistake that doesn't need to happen. Throw in front of the runners. Austin Hayes has the best arm by far in the Orioles outfield. You throw to third. You keep him at second. You try to limit the damage in that inning. Keep yourself in the game. He didn't do it. And it just continues a trend of just bad and boneheaded plays by the entire Orioles outfield throughout this season. It just kind of flummoxed me. Because they've got good outfielders out there, but they just have not shown it so far this year. Third thing you need to know from this one, speaking of that eighth inning, Ciano Perez just looked awful in this game. And he, after starting the year off hot with his first couple appearances, has not looked good recently and seems to be regressing to the mean like I kind of thought he would this year. Because, you know, even though he had the 1.4 ERA last year, his expected ERA was up around 4. It was the biggest difference of any pitcher in baseball in 2022. And the expected stats and the stat cast numbers told you his ERA was not going to be 1.4 in 2023. But he's struggling mightily. And his ERA, and I get it's small sample size for a reliever. You don't want to look at ERA that closely, but it's 5.40. Perez goes an inning and a third, allowing two runs on five hits in this game with a walk and no strikeouts. And he did it pretty quickly to allow six base runners on just 22 pitches. Now, it was only two hard-hit balls. It's not like he got mashed, and even one of those hard-hit balls turned out to be an out, the final out he got in the top of the ninth inning. But he was just getting hit around, not getting any swings and misses. And that's one of the big problems for this bullpen this year. Now, it was a problem last year that the Orioles didn't get any swings and misses, but they covered up for it with good defense and a little bit of luck. This year, it's not happening. I mean, he threw 22 pitches. He got the A's to swing at 12 of them. And Ciano Perez, who has some of the best stuff in the bullpen, did not get any swings and misses on those 12 swings from a glorified AAA lineup for Oakland. That is a bad, bad sign for CNL Perez. And the big thing that Kevin Brown did say on the broadcast, Perez had a 27% whiff rate last year, which means guys swung and missed on 27% of the balls they swung out against him last year. That rate is down to 16%, and that was before the full outing on Wednesday, which means it's dropped even closer to like 12-ish percent this season. That is a really concerning drop for Perez, something to monitor moving forward. Fourth thing you need to know as we switch to the offense and a little bit of positives, Jorge Mateo did have a nice night. 
on Wednesday, and he continues to have a nice season for the Orioles. Mateo in this game, two for four with a double and an RBI. Drove in a run with an RBI double in the second inning. Did strike out twice, but had two hard hit balls. And he's now hitting 313 on the year with a 920 OPS. And that is what you like to see from Jorge Mateo. That's what you kind of need from him on the offensive end to go along with the base running and the defense. And when he gets on base, even if it's a single, you know, he's got a pretty good chance of going to second as well. So the offense, it's been good so far for the Orioles shortstop. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one, kind of before the disaster inning that was the top of the eighth when the Orioles load the bases with nobody out, give up three runs, misplay a bunt, can't throw a strike, Keegan Aiken and Ceciano Perez were bad. The bottom of the seventh was pretty fun. The Orioles came out there, they knocked Ken Waldachuk, the A's starter, out of the game who had been pitching really, really well through six innings. Jerry's Familia comes in and the Orioles get to him. Cedric Mullins had a pinch hit RBI single to make it 4-3. to three. Adley Rutschman follows with an RBI single to tie the game at 4 in the bottom of the 7th. And it was a fun little rally there. And then even before you blinked, the A's had 3 in the top of the 8th and basically pulled away with that game. But the bottom of the 7th, the O's did show some life after it was kind of a, a lifeless offensive game for 6 innings before that. But it wasn't enough, couldn't make another comeback. And the Orioles fall 8-4. to four in game three of a four-game series. But one of the big culprits from this loss on Wednesday night was Dean Kramer, who for the third consecutive time to open this season was not good on the mound for the Orioles after he was really good in 2022. So coming up next, I'll try to break down what's going wrong for Kramer and what that could mean for his future in the Orioles rotation. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So the Orioles fall 8-4 to to the Oakland Athletics on Wednesday night. Game 3 of a 4-game set. Can still go get the series here on Thursday afternoon. But one of the big issues on Wednesday night was Dean Kramer's start. And it was the case for the third consecutive time to begin the 2023 season. As I mentioned earlier, Kramer just was not good. Four and a third innings, four runs on five hits with 1K, two walks, and two homers allowed for Kramer, who again has his ERA now to 9.49 on the season. Through three starts for Dean Kramer, he's gone just 12 and a third innings. That's about four innings per start he's averaging right now. Has allowed 13 earned runs on 16 hits in 12 and a third innings, eight strikeouts to six walks, and five home runs allowed. Now again, it's three starts, which makes it a small sample size. It's only 12 and a third innings, which makes it even smaller of a sample size for Kramer. But it's definitely a little concerning because the walks are an issue, the hits are an issue, and really the big thing, the home runs are an issue. Five homers in three starts 
is certainly not what you want. And you look at Kramer, specifically because two of the three starts have come at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, where it's a lot harder to give up homers at this point. And you look at what's happening to him. It kind of does. Now, not specifically. He looks much better than this in general. But it kind of does remind you of why he struggled in 2021. Just not throwing enough strikes. And when he was, he was trying to just aim the ball over the middle of the plate. And it would turn into extra base hits and homers that he would allow when he was actually pitching in the big leagues two years ago. That's how he ended up pitching half the year in AAA because he was so bad in 2021. Now he figured it out, had an amazing 2022 season for the Orioles. You don't want him to regress back to what he was. And he's not there yet, but it's not looking good three starts in. And he was very, very four-seam fastball heavy in this start on Wednesday night, much more so than he's really been in a long time. So maybe he goes away from that again, but I mean, 41 of his 90 pitches were that four-seam fastball. His next most used pitch was his cutter that he threw 15 times. So it was a lot of four-seamers. Now, the changeup looked good. You know, he did get three whiffs of his eight total on that pitch, three whiffs on six swings. That's a really good number. But his sweeper was not good. Yeah, that's the new pitch for Kramer. That's kind of been an out pitch for him at times. The three-run homer he allowed to Brent Rooker in the first inning of Wednesday's game was a sweeper on an 0-2 pitch that he basically let right over the middle of the plate, and Rooker smashed it to dead center field for a three-run shot. That was not a good pitch on 0-2. And he was just either in the middle of the plate or not competitive a lot of times on Wednesday night, and that's how it's been a lot of times in all three of his starts. I mean, the start in Boston, five runs in three innings, not good. The start against the Yankees was at least a little better, and he had some good innings, and, and, and that happened on, you know, Wednesday night as well. At one point, you know, I think he retired like 11 out of 12 batters. You know, he had second, third, and fourth innings. He was scoreless there after a tough first and, and didn't finish it well, had to come out of the game in the fifth, and Mike Bauman certainly helped him out. I mean, Kramer left after a couple of walks, and it was first and second with one out in the fifth, already a 4-2 game, and Bauman came in, did a nice job, got a double play to end the inning and keep it to just the four earned runs charged to Kramer. But it could have been worse if Mike Bowen didn't do his job there in that fifth inning. So it's just getting a little concerning for Dean Kramer. And the velocity was not crazy down, but it was down about one mile per hour on all of his pitches across the board. All six pitches, four-seamer, cutter, changeup, sweeper, curve, and sinker that he threw on Wednesday night. So that's a bit of a concern as well. So you just wonder for Kramer now... Does this put him in the mix for which guy will be taken out of the rotation when Kyle Bradish returns? Bradish will be back, it looks like, on Wednesday in D.C. against the Nationals. Bradish is scheduled to throw a rehab start in Double A Bowie on Friday night. He'll go four to five innings, and the plan is for him to only go one rehab start. His IL time is up on Wednesday, and it seems like he's fine and will be ready to start that day on Wednesday night. Now... Kramer is scheduled right now, at least in terms of the order, to start Tuesday night in Game 1 in D.C. Now, the Orioles have not named any of their starters for that series, but they've named starters for the next four games, and it's all four guys besides Kramer. The rest and the rotation would line up for him to start that Tuesday night game in D.C. a day before Kyle Bradish pitches. Now... If you're going to take Kramer out of the rotation, you're certainly not sending him to AAA. He's a guy who you could put in the bullpen and would still help you. You're not going to send him down to Norfolk. He was going to start 2022 in the bullpen. Remember, he had made the team as a reliever in 2022, 
but as he warmed up to come into his first game, that third game of the year in Tampa last year, felt something when he was warming up, couldn't come in the game, had an oblique injury, you know, takes him out for two plus months. And when he returns, the Orioles needed pitching because John Means was injured. Some guys were ineffective. And so they had to put him in the rotation and they end up pitching very, very well in the rotation for the entirety of the year. But the Orioles already had that plan last year to use him in the bullpen, which tells me they'd be at least okay with considering putting him in the bullpen at least for a stretch once again. And when Bradish comes back, he's going to be in the rotation. We know Kyle Gibson, especially because he's pitched well and deep into games, is going to be in the rotation. And you look around, and I get Cole Irvin hasn't been good, and hopefully he can bounce back today against the A's. But Cole Irvin, when you're trading that kind of capital for him, and he's more of a starter just with his stuff, he's probably not going to the bullpen. And so it's basically at this point, Either Tyler Wells goes to the pen, Dean Kramer goes to the pen, or Grayson Rodriguez goes to AAA. Those are kind of the three options right now. And it seems like, unfortunately, most likely, Grayrod going to AAA is number one. And Tyler Wells has more bullpen experience with success than Dean Kramer does. So maybe that's option two ahead of Kramer. But I wouldn't rule out Dean Kramer if he continues to pitch like this. Now, the one thing is, the Orioles would have to make this decision really before Kramer starts that game on Tuesday because if he starts Tuesday and then Bradish gets called up Wednesday gets activated say they DFA Austin Voth to make space for Bradish on the active roster when he comes off the IL you can still just slot Bradish right back into that rotation spot and you know move somebody out of there but if Kramer starts the game Tuesday he's not going to be available in relief until I mean Saturday at the earliest so you're going a reliever down for three days. So at that point, you're not going to let Kramer start that game. So if the plan is for Kramer to go to the pen, that move would be made earlier. That move would probably be made this weekend in Chicago, which would allow Cole Irvin to start that Tuesday game in D.C. Because the Orioles have the off day on Monday, Irvin would actually still be on regular rest to start that Tuesday game. So he would kind of flip ahead of Bradish, start Tuesday, and Bradish could still come up and start the Wednesday game. And then the fact that the Orioles also have Thursday off of next week would really help them kind of reset the rotation with Irvin, Gibson, Bradish, and then you'd have Grayson Rodriguez in there along with Tyler Wells if that was the plan moving forward. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do it, and I still think it's the third most likely decision besides sending Grayson down and sending Wells to the bullpen, but I don't think it's off the table right now because... Kramer's not throwing enough strikes. He is just walking too many guys. Strikeout stuff isn't really there. Not getting a lot of whiffs. And he's getting hit really hard. You know, his average exit velocity against him was 88.4 miles per hour last year. It's 92.9 miles per hour through three starts this year. That is concerning for Dean Kramer. And it's something to watch. Now, again, if he does make that Tuesday start in D.C., he's not going to be the guy moved to the pen. But... It wouldn't shock me at this point if even that's a temporary move that the O's make to get Bradish back into the rotation and to keep Wells and Grayson Rodriguez in there as well. But if Dean Kramer or Tyler Wells or someone else does go to the bullpen for the O's, it feels like it's only going to help them because this bullpen needs some help right now for Baltimore. This is not the group that thrived throughout the 2022 season and kept them in a playoff chase. This is a struggling group of eight relievers right now. Now, not everybody's struggling, but a lot of them are. So coming up next, we're going to talk about the state of the bullpen right now and really 
what the O's can do to fix it and why there's some things they just can't fix right now and they have to pitch their way out of it. That's all coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Rocket Money. Did you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Because 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, and chances are you're one of them. Well, Rocket Money quickly and easily finds your subscriptions for you. And if you don't want to pay anymore, you just hit cancel, and Rocket Money cancels it for you. It is that easy. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash MLB. One more time, rocketmoney.com slash MLB. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and all the calories, then you have to try a Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you're a longtime listener to this podcast, you've heard me talk about Built Bars plenty of times, but I got to keep harping on it because Built Bar finally did it. Finally, the first company to make a good tasting protein bar, a protein bar that actually tastes like a candy bar. You won't even believe that they're good for you, but they are. All bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in amazing flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. And I don't know how they continue to do it, but they continue to back 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar in every bar. And now, it's not just Built.com where you can get the bars. You can also go to your local Walmart or your local Sam's Club and get specialty flavors right in the store, right in the store. So if you're on a run to Sam's Club or you're on a run to Walmart, you can head out with a delicious box of Built Bars. But you don't also go to Built.com as well and get your hands on these delicious and nutritious Built Bars. So after an Orioles 8-4 loss to the Athletics on Wednesday night, the struggles of the bullpen so far this year through 12 games with the Orioles at 6-6 six six have definitely come into play for the O's. And... I think it really started in the top of the eighth inning. Keegan Aiken didn't look amazing, but did put up a zero in the top of the seventh. The Orioles get two in the bottom of the seventh and tie the game at four on Wednesday night. And Keegan Aiken comes back out there in the top of the eighth. It was righty-lefty due up. And Ciano Perez was starting to warm. Another lefty, and a better lefty than Keegan Aiken, was starting to warm in the Oriole bullpen. And I know a lot of people questioned... Well, why did the Orioles not just go to Perez? Why did they stick Aiken in there and then bring Perez in later? Well, Aiken could have done a better job. He didn't have to give up a leadoff single. He didn't have to fail to get an out when Jace Peterson was trying to give one away, was trying to bunt. Aiken just wouldn't throw a strike. And then finally it gets to three and two and Peterson singles as well. And then they did go to Perez after the back-to-back singles and a really good bunt got put down to load the bases and it just kind of unraveled from there. A three-run eighth for the Athletics. Here's the thing. Yes, if Perez was warming, there was a chance to put him in the game. But we saw how bad he was after he came in. 
Two runs, five hits, an inning and a third. It was bad for CNL Perez. Now, he's still better than Keegan Aiken, but it was bad. But back to Aiken, here's where the Orioles are with the bullpen right now. And the reason why I'm really concerned is that the Orioles are in the same place right now with their bullpen that they were with their bullpen in September of last year. In September last year, the Orioles, they had all these rookies and second and third year relievers who, you know, most of them were in their first full big league season. And most of them just, they kind of faded down the stretch. They ran out of gas in September and the bullpen was not what it was early in the year. And that's understandable with all those guys having their first big league seasons. So you got to the point where you just couldn't keep throwing Felix Bautista and Dylan Tate out there every single night. You just had to trust some other guys, but most of the other guys were kind of breaking down at the end of the year. And so when you had to throw them out there no matter what, because again, you can't run the same two or three guys out there every night, it was just becoming tough and guys were getting hit around. The really concerning part is that's happening in early April. That's happening 12 games in this year. The guys aren't run down. They're just struggling so much that you can't go to the same guys all the time. Now, it feels like Brandon Hyde somewhat trusts at least four of his relievers right now. I'd say CNL Perez, Danny Coulomb, Brian Baker, who's come on strong the last couple of outings, and of course, Felix Bautista. So four out of his eight in the pen. But after Perez's disaster on Wednesday night, maybe he gets taken out of that group. And Coulomb is still a basically waiver claim guy who wasn't going to make the Twins bullpen. So how long can you really trust him in any kind of high leverage spot? So you're really just looking at Baker and Felix. And Baker was bad to start the year. He's just come on strong. So at some point, you have to trust the other guys in the bullpen. And really the big point is, especially when your starters aren't going deep into games, Brandon Hyde basically has no choice but to trust the other guys in the pen, or at least not trust them, but at least send them out there. Because when you've only had three starts out of 12 pitch six or more innings on the year, and you're getting consistently guys who leave the game in the fifth, you're putting a lot of strain on a bullpen that we already thought was going to regress a little bit just because the numbers said they could not be as good as they were in 2022 with all of those still unproven names in the pen. So when you're putting that much stress on a bullpen, you need to get that many outs, eat that many innings from a bullpen. You have to trust the other guys. You have to put Mike Bauman in there. And Bauman did a good job. He throws two scoreless innings. He got two huge double plays, kept the Orioles in it long enough for the offense to make that comeback in the seventh. But then you kind of also have to go to Keegan Aiken because you can't keep going to Baker and Felix Bautista and CNL Perez all the time. They're going to get worn out in April. So you have to use the entire bullpen. And you're already feeling real shaky about Austin Voth. So I guess it's Keegan Aiken time. And it just, it didn't work. He had a good seventh, but I don't blame Brandon Hyde for sending him back out there in the eighth. I get why you'd have the argument that, oh, Perez was already warming. Send him out there. He's better than Aiken, which he is. But Brandon Hyde is kind of at the point with the starting pitching not going deep into games. You got to squeeze every out you can out of the kind of less trustworthy relievers. And with Aiken looking like he was throwing pretty well as he put up that zero in the seventh. We know he's a guy who can give you length, was a starter not too long ago. You feel like, hey, maybe we can squeeze a couple of outs in the eighth with Aiken, especially with a couple of lefties coming up. And it just didn't happen. It put him in a bad position. And then Perez put him in a worse position by being terrible on Wednesday night. But... You just, you can't use the two or three good guys every single night. Other guys have to step up. And if they're not stepping up, you have to make roster moves. However, because the new rules in the CBA that went into effect in 2022, 
you can't make call-ups and send-downs that aren't injury-related until you're two weeks into the season. So this Friday, so tomorrow, will be the date when that kind of block ends and you can start making those kind of roster moves. So the O's have had to wait, and unfortunately, they've already kind of in a spot where they want to make those moves but just can't do it. So you look down at AAA, you see Joey Crable, four scoreless and hitless innings, had another one on Wednesday night. You see Nick Vespi, did give up a couple of runs in one outing for the first time in his AAA career, but otherwise six Ks in four innings. You look down there, you see Yenier Cano, three scoreless innings with four strikeouts. All three of those guys are relievers on the 40-man roster who have major league experience in your bullpen just last year. And I have a feeling at least one of those guys and maybe more we're going to see get added to the bullpen on Friday. Because if the guys currently in there aren't getting it done and you just need fresh arms with them pitching so much with the starters not going deep into games, I have a feeling they're going to call on some of these guys. I would think it'll probably be Crable first, but Vespi may not be long behind him because the O's just need help in the pen. And I tweeted it out Wednesday night. Brandon Hyde's looking down at that bullpen right now. It's not this bad. This was an over-exaggeration, but he's kind of getting those 2019 Orioles vibes where he looks down there and he just goes, I don't know who can get me out tonight because I don't trust anybody. Now, he, he does trust a couple of guys. It's much better than 2019. But it's the same kind of vibe where it's like you look down there and you go, I don't know who I can trust tonight. And that is a really tough spot to be in as a manager. So hopefully, if they make moves or if they don't, some guys can step up and things can turn around in the Orioles' pen. And hopefully, that can start today for the O's. If you're listening on time, it's a Thursday day game for the Orioles and the Athletics. It is a 1 o'clock start. Orioles will go for the series win, trying to take 3 out of 4. Athletics trying to come up with the series split in this four-game set. The Orioles will send Cole Irvin to the pitching mound. It's his revenge game facing his old team. Irvin has had two bad starts so far. Hopefully his third can be a good one. And it will be Adam Aller, the right-hander, who will make the start for the Oakland Athletics. He's been pitching kind of in relief slash starting roles so far this year, but he gets the start at the 28-year-old on the mound for the A's. Not amazing stuff, so hopefully the Orioles can tee off on him on Thursday afternoon. And then I'll be back with you here on the pod on Friday, recapping the Thursday game. I will get you ready for O's and White Sox in Chicago this weekend. And also do my bullpen power rankings once again as we see if there's some roster moves made and talk about who I trust and who I don't right now in the Orioles pen. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.